This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Namaskar, satsriyakal. Welcome to the News Laundry Hafta where we discuss what's making the news and what isn't but should. Today we have a panelist from outside the news laundry fold. Uh, I think the third time you're coming, Dada? Yeah. Third time. Okay, so before I introduce him, I would like to usually, as usual, plug. Angrez apna lagan or news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. When the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers are served. Please subscribe to News Laundry and help keep news free and independent. If you don't like us, subscribe to someone who you like. But unless you chip in on supporting news, news will not serve you. That is our philosophy here. So... Lots happened last week. There was the tragic shooting and killing of a journalist in Bangalore. I'm sure all of you have heard of what happened. Gauri Lankesh, editor of Lankesh Patrika, Gauri Lankesh Patrika. Then there was Raghuram Rajan's interview, which made headlines early in the week before this captured all the wall-to-wall coverage, where he criticized demonetization. Before that, there was a cabinet reshuffle, which dominated the weekend headlines. For I don't know what reason. I don't know why cabinet reshuffles are so fascinating. But evidently they are. That Sunday ka bhi advertising revenue came out. When it doesn't come because no one's fucking watching news on Sunday. Then there's the Rohingya refugee crisis. Uh, which I'm sure our panelist has a lot to say. I've seen him tweeting about this. And I think that should probably take up all the time we have today. In case we have any more time. We can talk about the protests in Chennai over the neat petitioner's suicide that happened last week. But we can discuss it this week. And there was um, disengagement at Doklam. With the army chief making a statement today with the possibility of two-front war. I don't know why he made that statement out of the blue. But maybe there are some reasons. When everything's been sorted, why revisit again? With that, let me introduce our panel. Madhu is back from Kerala, Karela, God's own country and other places. Welcome back, Madhu. We missed Thank you over you. three aftas. Oh gosh. Almost a Mahina. Oh. <laughs> we have a managing editor, Raman Kripal. Hi, Raman. Hi. A panelist today, consulting editor of ABP, Kanchan Gupta. Hi, Kanchan Da. Hi. And um, our very own in house consulting editor, Anand Ranganathan. Hello. Who's got a haircut and a little puff like Devan Verma. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have said Not that. Devananda. I'm going to get another haircut now. So <laughs> <laughs> then you'll get a crew cut. So, Kanchanda, let's start with you, since you are our guest. What would you like to start with? What do you want to discuss out of all the things that I mentioned? Or would you want to go with something completely unrelated? You're welcome to. I wish I could do that. But I think it's only fair. Uh, you should begin with uh, the rather grisly and ghastly uh, hmm. murder of Gauri Lankesh. Right. After all, I mean, no, not every day that a journalist gets killed. Hmm. Though, as Anand has uh, uh, done some research and compiled uh, facts over the last uh, four years, three years? Yeah, four years. Yeah. Four years, 2013 to 2017. Some 23 journalists have been killed in this country. Hmm. And uh, sadly, you know, we get too obsessed with what the uh, media freedom ranking of India is, etc., etc. Those rankings like the UNDP rankings once upon a time don't quite reflect the reality. Hmm. We have a pretty free and fiercely free media in the country. We have a flourishing media. Uh, Often opinion is more free than it should be. And often facts are on a discount, but nonetheless, we have a free and robust media. Hmm. But despite that, when something like this happens and we are looking at what almost seven, seven to eight journalists being killed every year, 
there must be something wrong somewhere which desperately needs to be looked into sure i i mean um on the coverage of this issue i mean i have views I, i'd like the panel's view on should the dead body be shown we've discussed this in different context earlier on two things when you say we have a very free media i disagree completely i think our media is very far from free especially when you compare it to the other liberal democracies around the world but it's I mean, just the fact that Twitter shutdowns, including yours under the UPA, those kind of intimidations happen. And when that happen at the business level, people back off. Secondly, about Anand's table, I'm not sure what that table was actually trying to show. Because there were five journalists whose tweets about different journalists killed. So I'm not sure what it proves. But as far as Gauri Lankesh's views con- uh, killing is concerned, I can see why English media will give it the kind of headlines and the wall-to-wall space it did. because she was a political figure not just a media figure and in the current context that is one of the you know defining battles of of this political environment we are staying we are in so i can see why that gets more play than you know let's say i mean we've covered a few of those deaths we no, you know no, covered one in muzaffar nagar i think it's only like fair that we explain that what uh, hmm. anand has done is that he has just basically compiled journalist killings over the last 4 years that's only one part of it and who did they work for when were they killed where were they killed etc mm. the second part is that uh, what he has done is he's taken five senior journalists who are all over social media especially twitter and uh, who comment on anything and everything including whether was it badminton should be played in a particular way how many on how many of those deaths how many of them have commented how many tweets so she ha- he has basically compiled the number of tweets now you know every killing is like it's every death is unpardonable i mean it's 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 not acceptable but a point that for which i i, I don't obviously i'm not it uh, gauri lankesh had nothing to do with it she died but the kind of response we are seeing now that sort of a response was missing when the others were killed so that raises a question and a very natural question that if the vocal protest had been strong enough or had been sufficiently strong enough then perhaps that could have been a deterrent for people who think that they can kill a journalist and get away with it so that to a limited point that is what he was trying okay, to explain okay anand i can what exactly was that table trying to explain cuz yeah, so, i wasn't clear you know two or three things one is that that table essentially it listed out all the journalists who've been murdered a lot more have been attacked by the way hmm. you know so these are just the journalists who've been killed i think you left out one which yeah. is this ramchandran chatrapati who was killed for reporting ram rahim's no this is from 2013 so this is in the last 4 years okay. now so that 22 including uh, the last terrible grizzly crime of gauri lankesh and when i tabulated it i found that 21 of those were actually uh, had never appeared in english media or written in english gauri lankesh was the only exception where she's written for wire and you know she's appeared on uh, english media and things of that sort so now uh, that that table on its own you can draw a lot of inferences from it 
like a lot of people have done that there is a class bias uh, you know between the vernacular i hate to use that word but you know regional media because a lot of them were uh, not only hindi they were telugu there's mm. one from ap host of them i think 40% of them were from up Hmm. you know uh, some from bihar basically from the north with the exception of gauri lankesh now and one person from andhra pradesh who used to write for andhra uh, patrika so you you can draw that conclusion where that data kind of gels in with what i have seen in over the last two days is that and many people have asked me why and the the next tweet was as kanchanda just elucidated that you know i took these uh, social media and in fact mainstream media influencers these five uh, journalists and i found out uh, you know found out how much uh, you know and this is a rudimentary one because these are tweets hmm. these are not uh, you know articles and things of that sort hmm. now the point is when uh, gauri lankesh uh, the news came in that you know she was killed she was shot dead for the next immediate one or two hours and for the whole day next there was an avalanche of criticism narrative which is actually fine because a lot of those people who actually are in the english media they're probably friends with her i mean i i've just read her one of her articles but you know i i didn't know her or anything like that but it's it's only natural if you know her very well then you would write about her but the avalanche of sherlock homes that descended having you know f- for the next one hour having solved the case oh this person has done it that person but has done it that's not what the table exam- was doing no so i'm just hmm. adding to that you see now when that narrative builds up you carry that news for about 48 hours which is what the case is and then suddenly you find out that the other 21 you know no barring narrative. one or two uh, exceptions uh, ramdev ranjan was one hmm. and uh, rajdeep and other people tweeted about uh, you know the ibn employee that was killed and one ajtak journalist hmm. you know barring that the other 19 you know no one knows about that so then you begin to wonder that either we take this as an inflection point ie that from now on let's you know like the nirbhaya incident was now you can say that there were you know rapes before as well but it was nirbhaya rape that actually brought justice verma committee and all those things so changes were made now i in a very obtuse way look at it from a social darwinian angle you know i i don't want a nirbhaya case to happen for us to formulate the guidelines okay these should happen before that but it's not that 10000 journalists have been killed it's 20 journalists have been killed they are from the same fraternity as the other journalists who are driving the narrative now many people ask why didn't you compile a list of uh, hindi media journalists whether they have tweeted or not now kanchanda would actually correct me if i'm wrong that most of the media narrative that we see uh, you know in in our cities and in the newspapers in in the television channels particularly and increasingly filtering on to the hindi media is actually driven by english media journalists uh, one so, thing i just wanted to make a point where uh, i disagree with kanchanda agenda which is that uh, you said that we have a free and ro- robust press i think the free free and robust press have been dwindling since when the congress party came in power and uh, it is even more difficult to find uh, to prove a subterranean pressures which and i have spoken to many owners and editors of uh, large newspapers and all of them have felt the pressure and we know that there are editors who've been fired for negative stories we know that there've been resignations over these issues report there have been editors have been told that they have to fire someone for a particular story 
and they have complied more and they have complied and madhu just on one more thing i'd like your view on the coverage of uh, you know on the bodies i think there is a bbc cnn all follow this rule and i don't know why we don't so they have uh, in their directives that they do not show uh, gruesome dead bodies they'll actually they don't even blur it they don't show it at all at all so you think so that's, it's a very clear thing the... and i there is nothing to be gained in journalism to show gori lankesh's body lying in that p- position or even making funny drawings about how it was how the incident happened right. i think it's ludicrous right. that's not journalism it's just making a package now coming to mr raghuram rajan's interview he recently has you know his book is launching so ab kyu bol raha pehle jab tha yahan tab kyu nahi bola 2 saal tak koi nahi bolta wo to aap but that is that is so bekar ki baat hai aisa koi rule nahi hai but that is but i think record badate hain kanchan aise nahi abhi bol tab bolna tha but that's what irritated that is but see that is one thing that i find you know anyone who leaves a position that now he's talking i even now he's not saying much yeah and i'm not and exactly he's it's very measured No yeah. not mad it's very he's measured very i think he's very just careful it's careful ah. yeah he's just i think it's he's saying what is appropriate you know that but the whole thing of him saying this and this whole demonetization thing started and prime minister modi the other day on a speech at a speech said that i have the guts to take you know strong decisions of course what those decisions lead to is irrelevant but that entire i'm the macho man narrative is what has got him where he is that sticks and he's managed to carry that longer than anybody else you know at least in my living memory but what makes raghuram rajan saying this so important like i i'm just curious like suddenly it, the whole thing restarted he's the uh, new amartya sen <laughs> <laughs> okay so um, somebody you you know we we it's just this idea that there has to be somebody who's there to constantly needle the government hmm. i i mean no offense to him i mean i uh, i don't know him i have never met him in my life and uh, i i really wouldn't want to comment adversely on him but if you look at the list of people we have had as rbi governors hmm. it's a long list people come people go and this whole idea that if you are there somewhere Uh, you should be there forever or the government must come crawling to you whichever government hmm. uh, must come crawling to you to stay on uh, it rankles with me i mean you you were there for a three year term your term got over you moved on uh, be happy with it right um any oh well, say a lot of stuff which has appeared in the last few days it's to promote his book hmm. and and uh, uh, there was a time when books were published and the author would rarely be seen or rarely be heard of and uh, there were very big minds who wrote reviews of the books and that's how a book got promoted or demoted it was never the author never came into play the author never went around saying these are the reasons why you should buy my book or read my book yeah, but, but that has changed and it's a pity that even raghuram rajan has no but i think it. that's inevitable the other with technology with the visual medium becoming the predominant medium moving on to the rohingya crisis um i would just like to start off this debate little provocative dada if you allow me is that i saw gvl narsimha rao the bjp spokesperson say on television yesterday that the guy who all has a permanent frown on his face yeah. same guy okay. but that's i think true for all spokespersons because it is the worst job in the world because you got to go out there and defend everything i mean my favorite is that one what's her name uh, sanjeev varma nupur 
Nupur Sharma. He she stopped coming. I think she's oh, too shady. Oh, what a shame! I think she's the best comedy on television. So no, but he said that this community is a national threat. Exact words. He didn't say some among them or this is a potentially a situation we have to. That was the sentence. And spokespersons are supposed to communicate policy and or thought. This and no one even blinked. It just carried on as if that's a normal thing to say. I'm just saying, of course, Dada, go ahead. Uh, what do you think no, is, no. is policy-wise? I and think, I think Mr. Narasimha Rao, GVL Narasimha Rao, made a very poor articulation of a very serious concern. And this serious concern is not of uh, post-2014 vintage. It has been there for about seven, eight years now. And occasional stories have come out about what the concern is. Now, let us sort of, you know, try to look at the whole problem of Rohingya uh, refugees from two perspectives. One, why do you have a problem? B, how do you deal with the problem? Why you have the problem is something which goes back well in time. The Rakhine state, the, 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 their demands, their historical demands, their refusal to accept uh, the majority, uh, the, the religious majority of the Burmese state as an identity. So all that, it's, it's, it's you know, and there was some, some amount of British play in it. If I may ask, where are they originally from? Because, you know, they said they've been stateless for generations. So no, for generations because... What's the origin? The Rohingyas come from anywhere between Bangladesh and the Rakhine state. You you have and no they are different from the other Bangladeshi Muslims in yes, what way? Yes, yes, okay. they're, they're, they're culturally different. Okay. They're they're attitudinally are they, are they different. Are they Sunni? Are they Sunni? They are Sunnis. Okay. They're attitudinally different. And uh, I just ask you one question: yeah. Are they um, converted from Hinduism? I mean, I, I really, I, I really wouldn't know of that, but they are attitudinally different. Now, we don't really want to go back too much in time. But even today, there is a conflict between Rohingya and the Burmese state. And recently you had the Rohingya attacking the Burmese army, which led to a counterattack. Now, I am not going, I am not suggesting that it's an action-reaction or reaction-action. It's a chicken-and-egg story, hmm. which came first. So there is a problem. There is a problem of integration. There is a problem of acceptance from both sides in Burma. And I do not use the word Myanmar. I do not call that country Myanmar, so I will continue to call it Burma. So the Can Burmese, you explain that why? No, it's, it's, it's just like I, I believe that India doesn't have a border with China. India has a border with Tibet. Hmm. So right. Rohingyas need to also contemplate as to why is there this exclusion. They are dirt poor. Now, despite being dirt poor, their aggression is manifold the aggression of the Salafis of, say, oil-rich Saudi Arabia. They are a security threat because they carry a certain ideological view of Islam. And when I say they, I obviously don't mean every man, woman, and child. Sure. So that's why I said Mr. GVL Narasimha Rao's articulation was wrong. But the fact is that there is a security concern in India. 
as much as there is a security concern in Bangladesh, as much as there is a security concern in Burma. All of you listening in, the Chota Hafta, do subscribe so you can listen to the entire Hafta. We will see you again next week with the Hafta. Till then, subscribe, pay to keep news free because when the public pays, the public is served and advertisers pay. Advertisers are served. Thank you. Goodbye. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 